The demand for virtual and augmented reality continues to grow in the medical industry. How prepared are you as a medtech business to meet that demand? This week, the medtech experts will walk you through everything you need to know in order to survive and thrive in this AR VR driven arena. This and much more with the Medtech Business Academy. Okay, so here we are, a group of medtech experts to talk about a very interesting subject this Friday afternoon. And so uh, it's me, Ted Newell, got Skender Darity, Mike Spraduti, and Barbara Strain. And we're going to be talking today about uh, several things that sort of inter interact with each other to some extent. Uh, one's called AI, some people call it deep learning. Uh, the other is virtual reality. And the uh, final one is augmented reality. So we're going to talk about those, what they mean to med tech. Are companies staying on top of this? Are they falling behind when you look at other in industries and so on? And um, how how we should look at it strategically? So um, I'll start off. Barbara, do you have any thoughts about uh, these four items? Or maybe maybe I tell you what, maybe what we should do is define them. Okay, how's that? Are, are you, is your mic off, Barbara, or are you on? No, I'm on. Okay, Barbara, thank you. So let's, let's define them. So. Artificial intelligence, how do we define artificial intelligence? Anyone, anybody want to take a stab at that? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger for artificial intelligence. <laughs> but he has Terminator. Total recall. The Terminator. It was Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> Actually, it's what it is, is where you're taking data, you're utilizing data to help make decisions and to help provide information much more rapidly than you would normally. And um, when I interviewed uh, several physicians earlier this year about artificial, artificial intelligence, um, one of them said, you know, in a sense, we have this artificial intelligence in our brain and what it is, it's, it's a compilation of all of our experience, all of our own experience, but we don't have the experience of a thousand other physicians handling the same case. So what if we all, what if we had all that experience and we had all the relationship to this patient, all the other patients that had similar situations. What if we had all of that in one place? And with that information, we would make a better decision about patient care, about a surgical, te surgical technique, or about uh, taking a particular action. And um, so that's one way to look at artificial intelligence. Um, any other thoughts on that, Barbara, Skender, Mike? I think oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Barbara. I, I said I think it's a fascinating concept for people to understand. And I actually worked with a client where they the same thing that you were talking about, Ted, where they talked about contouring cancer tumors and being able to, you know, have a radiation oncologist or a surgeon um, in, from Memorial and Slope Kettering who sees this every day, be able to apply that knowledge to somebody, you know, remotely in the woods of Mississippi and being able to provide that type of uh, um, education and service to those patients. But I guess from the, 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 the med device companies that are looking to implement AI, and you know, I just built this thing, how do I even enter that, this, this conversation about AI when that's completely foreign to me? Well, let's, let's circle back to that question about how do you get to it? Um, because I do, I do, I do want to really try to define these these three different things. 
I'll do, I'll make, give one more example of, um, of AI. And that would be like um, when I interviewed the founder of Viz AI and what they, they apply uh, artificial intelligence to uh, rapid treatment of stroke victims, because every minute uh, that you are uh, in a stroke situation, you're losing something like 2 million brain cells. Mm -hmm. And so um, every minute that goes by means uh, less recovery for you. Maybe you don't speak as well. Maybe you don't walk as well, whatever. So the faster they can apply it. And now every 20 seconds, uh, Viz AI is being applied to somebody in the United States. It's pretty amazing. But what they've done is AI is only a component of the entire process to, to try to help bring all this management of a patient together so that it, the management of the patient evolves very rapidly from the minute they're stuck in a ambulance or the minute the call is, uh, comes in over 9-11 um, or 9-1-1, it goes right to um, you know, the AI starts to, to inter intersect with this, with the imaging, with all the information they bring in. You know, as the patient's being moved to the hospital, people are being prepared to wait for the patient. AI has a hand in a lot of those elements and to make sure that this patient is treated rapidly. So if we go, let's go to... Um, well, one more thing, Ted, just, just yeah. bringing it home in the most simplified format that people don't think about all the time. AI is Siri. It's Google. It's Alexa, right? Those are all very simplified forms of AI. Yeah, Google Maps. Yeah. Google yeah, Maps. That, that's the other thing. Uh, all of us use AI on average, I think, two hours a day. On mm -hmm. average. It, and, it's and it's probably going, probably going to be four hours within a year. Yeah, yeah. But when you, you're exactly right, when you put in um, the, when you ask Google Maps or something to tell you where to go, AI's kicked in. It's, you know, evaluating a bunch of information to try to take you on a, uh, on a smooth path. Uh, Barbara, do you have something to say there? A couple of things. Um, I just got back from Anaheim where I was at the ARM conference, uh, Healthcare Resource and Material Manager. So I made it a point to go to all the tech companies that were uh, there with data. I was filled to my brim with AI. Well, what the interesting thing is for new uh, med tech uh, guys who are and gals that really are doing like trying to do apps, trying to do a variety of diagnostics and uh, other data sets. So there's a lot of really great public data sets. So you're not actually buying all the data or you can spend a lot of your capital purchasing data. So it's important to know in your business plan what in the world are you really going to focus on and where do I get this data? But just talking slightly about supply chain, you might have heard of that over the last two and a half years, our supply chain disruptions. So the companies, a lot of them are spending time uh, usually curating actually public data and then having various verticals of where's the raw materials, where's all the finished goods, what are the manufacturers really doing? So it's giving signals for supply chain and others in healthcare to, to do their jobs better and to predict things. And so that's an avenue that's really highly pursued. And AI has a big part of that and how they're picking things up. 
And then something that can contribute to AI would be um, augmented reality. It might help deliver it or contribute to it and then virtual reality. So augmented reality, how do we define, how do we describe that, Skender? So augmented reality is uh, when you use a computer screen to of some form to augment the actual visualization, the augment the reality in front of you. So the example I always like to give is when you're watching a sporting event and something pops up on the screen, whether it be a teleprompter or something like that, those that are actually in the stadium cannot see those things. But we at home have the have the value of the TV to tell us where the first down marker is, where that ball was hit correctly, where it may, where the puck may go next. And for somebody on the floor in a hospital, augmented reality could be they're wearing a pair of augmented reality glasses. So they're actually seeing through the lenses of these glasses and seeing the patient or maybe seeing an instrument and they're being trained how to use it. And so while they're looking at an instrument, let's say it's a, a pump of some kind, um, a little circle emerges on the glasses that and that little circle circles the button on the pump one. And the per person talking in the, in the nurse's ear, or the technician's ears is saying, that's the on button. Or that's, you know, click this button to adjust the power or to adjust the flow or whatever it might be. That would be augmented reality uh, being used in a hospital setting. And then what about virtual reality? Um, anybody want to take a stab at virtual reality? So virtual reality is when you're actually transfixed into another world visually and, and sensually. So that's what we all think about when we when we think about the lenses uh, that people put on, i.e. the uh, HoloLens. Um, and I can't remember the Facebook one that, that's escaping me right now, uh, the Oculus. Um, when you put on the Oculus lenses, you're actually transfixed into a whole nother world. And, it starts to play with your senses a little bit for anybody that's ever put one of those on. I've mm -hmm. never put one of those on. Anybody put one on? I have. I have. You get yeah. really disoriented quickly <laughs> and um, you're falling off something or my fear is they put me on a ride. They don't do <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, so now we have those, uh, those three items and you know, we, I gave an example of how augmented reality could work like on a hospital floor. Another example would be for augmented reality would be um, where uh, a technician or nurse at a nursing home in the middle of the night when there's no doctor present has a patient has a problem. They have these glasses on that can walk right up to the patient. And then a remote doctor can actually see through those glasses and see the patient, see what the problem is and coach the technician and say, okay, now reach forward, grab this, do that, do whatever, apply this medicine a certain way. Um, they can actually coach the person directly on how to care for that particular patient. Um, so um, those, so all these things are technologies and sometimes they interface and sometimes they don't. But let's go back to Mike's question because that's sort of central to what we want to get to today is what do companies do about these technologies and how do they get involved in it or maybe even make sure they're not um, left in the dust of somebody else that sees where they should be going. Um, thoughts on that, Skender? Well, I mean, I, I think in a lot of what we talk about on our podcast is always the value for the provider, right? Trying to put ourselves in the provider's seat. And right now the number one challenge that all providers are having 
is procedural throughput because of labor challenges and then supply challenges. So the ability to showcase how you can turn one doctor, one nurse into essentially many using remote-like settings and technology, uh, whether it be AI, where a, a device of some sort can lead to certain outcomes without having to think too much about it and you follow the device precisely, or it'd be some sort of uh, telepresent AR, VR solution where you have the opportunity to take, like you said, uh, Ted, you can take one nurse, a, a group of nurses on the night shift and have them be communicating with a number of physicians or even one physician at home, um, which again, takes the throughput up significantly. So I think that the challenges, what we saw in coming out of COVID was the need for telepresence because of the lack of access and the physical access that we were all essentially denied by by virtue of of the of the pandemic and now coming out of covid what we're seeing is new challenges that have occurred as a result of the pandemic but all of them are culminating in the need for an acceleration of some sort for new technologies to drive the next wave of healthcare yeah what ai is able to do say in the research areas or the technology innovation centers is they're able to take large masses of data and apply it to their research. So just take something like glaucoma. They're able to search through insurance claims files, get sort of this landscape of who files uh, uh, for reimbursement for those disease states that you want to look at. Then they look at whole the age outline, you know, what sort of treatments they've been on, all of those sorts of things. And they use that then in their research of developing specific drugs or to pinpoint where those diseases are coming from. So they're able to take drugs and other um, practices quickly to the bedside. So you can get to market faster, you can get to patients uh, uh, being treated quickly so they're not in the hospital as long or under uh, various treatments a long time that affects insurance. So there's a lot of different ways in which you can apply that. You know, one of the things you mentioned, uh, you mentioned glaucoma, so imaging's related to ophthalmic imaging, but in uh, imaging, so radiological imaging, AI has been applied there um, quite a bit lately. A lot of the new indications have been cleared by the FDA. And so what that does is it takes, you have a radiologist, especially like one, one radiologist I interviewed, um, uh, Dr. Yi, I think his name was from Maryland, who does research in AI related, and he has a podcast related to radiology. But um, on a weekend, for example, when you don't have a hospital fully staffed, but people are coming in with injuries, they're getting x-ray, they're getting MRIs, they're getting various types of scans and stuff like that. And you don't have maybe as much expertise in the hospital on the floors and throughout the hospital that you would typically have during the week. But AI can help make up for that and can evaluate those images and say, we think that the AI believes that this patient has such and such a condition from what we've just seen in the imaging. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to take this kind of action. So that action could, could have been 
uh, increased by, yes. and the timing could be improved by an hour, two hours, five hours, instead of somebody sitting in the operating room. That's huge. That's huge in terms of outcomes. So Ted, we've actually invested because we, we look at it from a perspective of, of education and, and yep. updating new devices. Um, and we looked from the opposite end where a lot of AI has been focused on the high-end types of procedures where we were looking at it and, and the investment we've made now into this is some of those low-end procedures that get conducted multiple times a day. And one of the challenges that we've seen from the provider landscape is just with compliance and competency um, so in this particular case, it was IV infusion insertion. And so we've been working with a developer, a series of developers to develop a new AI program that will help nurses, perfusionists, whoever it may be, as they're looking to make those needle sticks, ensure that they're following proper protocol, ensuring that their complete uh, competency is up to standard so that the hospitals aren't left exposed in any which way thereby alleviating some of the cost burden that does come upon those institutions. So Ted, was that an initiative of your, of you and your company? It is. So I think that would be helpful for you to explain, because this is where I'm coming from, is I know AI is important. I know I have to jump on the AI train, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening and watching that are saying, I have to get involved in this. Where do I start? So where did you start? How did you start? And you know, who do you hire and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, it, it's it's the whole idea behind AI is basically trying to find a way to alleviate some of the challenges that were always there. One of the challenges that we noticed was the immediate human burden that it takes, the human cost, sorry, not burden, human cost that it takes to instill education along the lines of competency, um, along the lines of making sure that people are meeting certain standards. So we defined a problem first, right? <laughs> this isn't revolutionary. It's literally the way problem solving typically begins. Is start with a problem. We recognize the problem and we started working backwards and said, okay, what can we do that will create a situation whereby we can teach a computer? Because that's what AI is. We're teaching a computer and the way we're doing that is we are filming something like 1,000 sticks of IVs lives, uh, live on patients. And unfortunately, in some of the dummies, we have to do a stick that is not correct to educate the software on what looks correct and what looks incorrect. And then basically, we back into that. So how do we find the developers? Well, we had to do a lot of searching. Um, uh, and we were fortunate to partner with a development organization that has some experience in AI, has some experience in healthcare. However, they were really looking primarily in the neurological spaces, the orthopedic spaces where the big bucks are. And we said, hey, we've got this idea of something that is higher volume, maybe less margin sensitive than the higher areas, but due to the high volume of need here, if we can teach the computer to do this, and from their perspective, they looked at it as significantly easier to show the computer 1,000 needle sticks and discern between what is a good stick and what is a bad stick, as opposed to having to really try to map out those really tight neurological spaces and really try to map out exactly what is the right approach. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question fully, Mike, but the resources are out there. You just got to always start with a problem and work backwards. Right. So one of the problems that people have started with, and, you know, 
a lot of these things are the COVID aha points, right? So a lot of companies have started with, how can we either get the patient out of the hospital sooner and monitor them at home or in a different setting or keep them at home and not even come to the hospital. So they've developed apps normally for this, but the apps are driven by either wearables, either watches or other sensors or something, or there's even a lot of apps that um, patients or consumers enter information or take a picture themselves and upload it by a, just a simple uh, instruction. And then the AI in the background searches through all of the data points and alert whoever's monitoring. It can be a physician and nurse practitioner or a service that actually does this for you and then says, Mrs. Jones is not doing well right now. You need to intervene. And then you can use the other AR type things or other VR to actually then do the treatment. So it all goes around in a circle. So it depends on how either if you're brand new entrepreneurial and, and you asked about who do you hire for these things? Uh, there are wizards out there and some of them are high school students and some of them are college. Some of them have not gone to school at all, but they're really good at these things. Or large established companies to Ted's point, don't wanna be left behind. So they do these discoveries and report back. This is something we could get into because yeah, and I think another thing to think about when you think about <clears throat> AI and then the application of augmented or virtual reality to solutions or something is um, look at a, a particular procedure or treatment of a patient along the whole treatment. And where does your instrument fit in, whether it's a surgical instrument or whether it's something on the floor or uh, a monitoring device or a um, a, a treatment like a pump or whatever it might be, where does your instrument intersect the care of that patient? And is a hot, and then you just need to be, I think, forward thinking. You need to talk to the hospital. Are you looking at applying AI to this entire procedure? Is anybody working on it? Or, or network with friends to find out and make sure that your device, whatever it might be, if it can help provide data to that um, information flow that will help care for the patient, now you're participating in the AI in a constructive way. You may not have AI as part of your device, like a, a pump on the floor may not have any AI as part of it, but if the results of that monitoring system or that pump or whatever can influence the AI, AI and provide care for the patient, then, then you're participating, you're not being left out. I think to me, that's where some companies may feel like, oh, I'm not part of this. But maybe you are. And maybe you need to make sure you have the software patches and the things in line that you are providing that data from your instrument to the hospital system so that it becomes part of the artificial intelligence or the deep learning. It's maybe even a better word. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, <laughs> Mike's in deep thought. Well, I guess yeah, what I'm yeah. trying to think of I'm, what I'm trying to think of is you know I'm a disposable company. Mm -hmm. I'm a uh, I make an infusion device. 
And, you know, all this stuff to me is very forward thinking and cool, but I don't have the capacity to be that forward thinker, but I know that I need to be in this space. So um, how could I bring somebody to look, come into my company and say, hey, yeah, you do make this needleless system or you make this Huber needle or you make this whatever. How can I use AI to either make the product better or make it more efficiently or drive more value? How do I actually bring that mentality into my company? So we approached it from the perspective less about the efficacy and outcome of the device and more about the cost that it takes to get product adoption. Um, And so that could be a different viewpoint uh, to approach it, right? And the the high-end neuro, cardio, orthopedic spaces, AI can lead to direct impacts on overall outcome. Um, Whereas, again, in some of the lower commoditized spaces, those organizations have to expend a lot of human resources to gain adoption from a hospital starting at the 12th floor, going all the way down to the first floor. And so we looked at it from a perspective of how can we bring value to them and the provider by showcasing for them, maybe you don't need to expend a team of resources to do an implementation to park yourselves at that hospital for two weeks. Does that make sense? So sitting here thinking, yeah, sitting here thinking um, something simple like a disposable if they partnered with someone who does AI and say it's what I mentioned before about what's in the pipeline, they could at least give their prospective customers the security to know that they're using technology to assure that they have capacity to sell to them, that they can produce things, that they understand where the raw materials is. So you have to really go to where that uh, sweet spot is of providers, no matter in what environment they're doing their care, what's important to them. So even the disposable, depending on how it's made or how they may train on the disposable or things, partnering with someone and maybe not taking it all on yourself would be a very wise thing. So it it could be for everybody. And I think by having the conversations like we're having from a different viewpoints, MedTech will get the idea that, you know, this could be for me. Maybe I just need to talk to the right few people about it and see how I can co-opt it. So people understand that I'm also cutting edge and I can do the right things at the right time to help you. You A good good book is Deep Medicine by Eric Topol, T-O-P-O-L. He's a famous... um, uh, practitioner of medicine, MD, PhD out of California, uh, but he's written a book. It's w- widely read by people that are interested in this subject, but that's on applying AI to medicine. A little bit where Mike is going could also be applying AI to the way you do your business so that you're more efficient, that you're um, you know, meeting the customer's needs and so on and so forth. That, that's sort of a, a different subject all right, uh, altogether. Um, I got a little factoid for you because I I know we're coming up on time, but you know how about what was it 15 years ago or 20 years ago when uh, the government started rewarding hospitals and doctors for using uh, EMR systems and and processing uh, payments and and everything through EMR 
or with EMR data, and everybody hated it, right? Remember that? How people complain yeah. about having to adopt EMR into the system or EHR? Um, that, still do. That is the basis. <laughs> yeah, but those systems accidentally became the basis for a lot of AI yeah. because yes. they gathered so much information about patients. And now the doctors are working with those companies to tweak the fields of data that they're gathering so they can apply them to different medical situations. I think that's quite ironic. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we haven't talked much about AR, VR, Ted. I know that's a space that you're, 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 you're hot on. Well, I'm, I'm interested in it just because, especially, um, probably I'm more interested. Well, VR, I don't know enough to be truly interested, but I could see how that could be used in telesurgery, for example. Um, as, as long as you were saying earlier, before we started the, the program today, Skinner, you were talking about the latency, the, 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 the timing difference between making a movement on visual reality versus how it shows up like via a robot on somebody a thousand miles away. Um, uh, augmented reality, I think it's very interesting um, because it has so much potential both in the operating room or on the floors uh, to in, in the middle of the night when somebody doesn't have assistance, um, but it can be brought in remotely right through somebody's headset. I, I just think it has so much potential. So that's an area that we've also invested a lot in, particularly coming into, out of COVID. Um, and it's it's something that people have a lot of interest in. I can tell you when you showcase for them a new lens, a headwear, and you know, next thing you know, you're interacting with each other from 500 miles away. It always gets that ooh-ah moment. Um, getting people to understand the actual application in a live setting and understanding the value that it brings is a whole nother dynamic. Um, and organizations are still, some of base their whole business model on it. Others are still uh, attempting to showcase the value to the procedures, uh, to the proceduralist to showcase for them. And one of the things that we, where we've seen it really excel is in particular in the international markets, um, particularly in some of those dis disparate markets uh, where they may not have, a, the, the healthcare providers may not have a whole lot of access to deep expertise, deep experience in certain things, but providing the ability to have connectivity via AR to have a surgeon at Mayo Clinic be able to assist in a procedure in Kenya, there is tremendous value to that, to just the entire global population. And I think that's where we're heading is, you know, we talk about the flattening of the world when it comes to supply chain, but I think there's going to be flattening of the world as it relates to service providing as well and medicine in that regard as well. Yeah, that really is amazing. Like um, there's a fellow, Eric Bacon, who's the president and CEO of AMD Global Telemedicine. And they've got, um, they've got stuff all over the world where they can help provide telemedicine help, which includes surgical guidance to people that are out in the boondocks, you know, where a computer is being run off a generator and a nurse is being given instructions on how to care for a patient by a doctor that's, you know, 500 or a thousand miles away. It's, it truly is amazing. What and in the sense- Good, Barbara. I was just gonna say, and in the sense that you're talking, the AI could alert a drone 
that is outfitted with blood supply, drugs, specific things that can fly into those remote areas so that they have what they need then to do the care. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's that one drone? A zip something? Zip zip drones? Or yeah. they started using them in the United States. That's a totally yeah. different subject. <laughs> yeah, totally different subject. But you can use the AI to trigger things that can then you know, do the rest of the, the lift for you. Right. So one benefit that I like to showcase to customers, and it's the least important benefit, but just based on the optics and aesthetics, because um, we do have a series of telepresent robots that we lease out uh, to organizations for telepresent connectivity. And the one thing that always happens, and our customers tell us inevitably it comes up, when they send one of those robots into the field, the enhancement of the brand in terms of, wow, you guys are cutting edge, right? Mm -hmm. and, and again, it's the least important aspect of it, but we always hear it because how much the nurses, the physicians remark about, we didn't know you guys had this capability. We didn't know you were thinking of it deploying robots. And it's something that we as just humans in this time that we live in now are pre-programmed that if something looks futuristic, it's cool. Therefore, the company is cool. Therefore, it's something I should probably pay attention to. Yeah. It's part of the brand. Absolutely. Well, it makes sense. Yes. Any last Everything thoughts? we learn, we learn from the movies. Yes. <laughs> Any last thoughts from people as we wrap this up? I just want to generally say to all the med tech companies out there who hopefully took the time to listen, but maybe they'll tell their friends to listen that don't think they have any skin in this game. It'll help to change your mind about how you look internally at your products, your services, what you can really do to help healthcare. So I'm just encouraging people to really take a look. Mike? So I'm one of those people, and I will be reaching out to the three of you, and I encourage the rest of the audience to, uh, you know, I know we have to get involved in these things. Otherwise, as Skender pointed out, you're going to be left in the dust. So this is my first step. I'm sure it's a lot. This is the first step for a lot of folks. So reach out to my good colleagues here, and let's get started. What about you, Skender? Yeah, it's just, I think, along the lines of we all have to be thinking about the fact that all these problems that exist today with delivery um supply chain shortages labor shortages inevitably we are enforcing the acceleration of these things right there has been talk about self-driving uh trucks for a long time the amount of investment that's been made in the self-driving trucks over the last year and a half far exceeds the amount of investment that occurred three years prior and that's because of the fact that so many people are feeling that if, if it's going to be an exacerbation of logistics let's solve it with technology and I think we all need to take a cue from that because if we don't, we're going to be out out of a job, out of a out of a life in some respect. Yeah, and as a final comment for me, I would I would just say that you should talk to your customers, find out where they are reading about in terms of AI, how it's affecting their business, and when I say customer, I mean everybody along the chain of use of your product, you know, all the way from you know purchasing and materials management and. Um, to the techs and the nurses that handle it, to the to the physicians that apply it, if, if a physician's involved, just talk to people and find out if they're getting any whispers about AI being applied or data being gathered to make sure that you're not left out. And with that, we'll wrap it up. I, I appreciate your time. The 
the four of us, the four amigos today, and uh, wish everybody else um, a, a good day for whatever's left of it. Um, uh, take care, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank you. Success with ARVR rests in understanding how this technology works and how it can be used to create solutions for your MedTech customers. As remote healthcare services and training grows in prominence, there's a tremendous opportunity for the creation of novel technologies that will place you at the forefront of healthcare advancement. Thanks for tuning in and continuing to earn your MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.